Good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. God calls us to come and to respond and worship, and so it's good that we can gather here in person and welcome to those who are worshiping online with us. God has called us to interrupt our day to come and remember that he's the one who's made us and redeemed us in Christ. And as we begin our time of worship, I want to take a few minutes just to share some announcements. If you uh, look at your order of worship, on the inside cover has information about children and youth classes and just information about the service. And then if you go all the way to the back, uh, you'll see some announcements, especially I want to highlight, you know, there's a number of things coming up because of the season of Advent. Um, there is next Sunday, we'll have a special service called Lessons and Carols, and then there's an all-church lunch afterwards, not here, but over on Rockwell, where our community space is. And then also on the 19th, um, there is a Christmas caroling in Giddings Plaza it's at 5 o'clock. So <clears throat> those are some things that are coming up. One thing also just to remind you, if you're singing in the choir, rehearsal is today at 4.30 at the community space. So 4.30 today in the community space. Uh, I'm going to invite Anna Werlich to come up. She's going to share uh, part of our mission partners, ways that we can be a uh, part of the work of God in Ethiopia. Good morning. Um, my name is Anna Worley, and I'm a member here at LSBC. I'm also on the missions team. Um, but I work as a stateside director for a ministry called True Light Child Care Project, and we basically help make sure that 250 children in Ethiopia have what they need to go to school, nutritional support, medical care, and all that's done in the name and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, Lincoln Square has partnered with True Light Child Care over the past four or five years, and this year for our Advent season, um, the congregation is going to be working to help provide shoes and clothing for some of these children for Christmas. So as you came in, you may have seen a tree um, sitting in the foyer with pictures of children on that tree. If you're interested in helping provide a child with shoes, you can choose a um, card, one of those pictures, and um, pray for that child and then provide the $35 that it will cost to purchase those um, shoes for the kids. Um, the missions team has committed to match every gift that the congregation receives. So if you choose a child and provide shoes for them, the missions team will match that gift and provide the clothing for those children. So um, we appreciate you guys um, partnering with us and look forward to um, seeing how much we can raise. All right. Thanks, Anna. Uh, one note, we're going to uh, dismiss the kids for their classes just a, a few minutes later than normal. We're going to have them stay so they can see the lighting of the Advent candles. And so then in a few minutes after that, uh, they'll be sent down to Sarah's for all those who are going to participate in the preschool and children's worship class. So let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come and to worship God. Good morning. Let's stand together and we'll sing our call to worship from Psalm 123.
To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, till he has mercy upon us. So our eyes look to the Lord our God, until he has mercy on us. So our eyes look to the Lord our God, until he has mercy on us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. So Please be seated. This week we light the second Advent candle. This is the Bethlehem candle, and it bears witness to the Savior who was born in Bethlehem. It reminds us of peace. Zachariah, father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our Father and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into way of peace. We light this candle in peace, the peace that Jesus, our Savior, gives to the world. Come then, Lord Jesus. All right, the children are now going to be dismissed for children's worship. So if you go back to the back, someone will be there. And then the rest of you, will you stand with us and we'll sing together. Little mortal flesh, keep. 
Please pray with me. Gracious God, we are full of gratitude that, that you didn't leave us in our places of sin and rebellion, of darkness. But God, as the angel told Joseph, you drew near to us to save your people from their sins. Father, such good news when we feel the ache of sin and death in our world in our relationships, in the tired ways that our own struggles hold on to us. But Father, we are grateful that you are not passive, but, but, but God, that you move into all of that darkness, all of the brokenness to bring new life. That you, God, as the prophet Isaiah reminds us, that you make straight our crooked paths, that you make smooth the rough edges of our lives. And Father, as we celebrate the grace of Christ's rescue, we are also a people who long for and wait for your second coming to make all things new. So Father, we ask that by your spirit, that you would make yourself known to us this morning. Come to those of us who feel really near and those of us who feel really far from you. Those of us who are happy and filled with joy and those of us who sit in darkness and sadness. Father, meet all of us and show us the grace of Jesus and change us by it. We ask it in his name. Amen. 
Well, we now move to our time of confession and assurance, a time where we acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. We'll do this together as a church, as, a, as God's people, and then have a time of song and then of quiet personal confession. The word of the Lord comes to call us to repentance, to make the crooked straight, the mountains low and the valleys high. We confess our sins to you, Lord, that we may know the forgiveness and refining work of your spirit. Loving God, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Lord, we are your people. Please look and do not remember our iniquity forever. Let's sing together. God be merciful to me. On thy grace I rest my plea. Plenteous in compassion thou. Blot out my transgressions now. Wash me take a moment of personal quiet confession. God, we stand with those words that we just sung together, that you would be merciful to us, that your grace would rest upon us. And God, we are thankful that in our greatest need of rescue, while we were still sinners, you descended into the depths of our sin and death to be in our place and to raise us to new life. So we give thanks with joy in the name of Christ. Amen.
Let's stand together and hear the words of assurance that come to us from Luke chapter 1. Let's join together. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. You may be seated. Our New Testament lesson is from Philippians 1, 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Our Old Testament lesson comes from Malachi 3, verses 1 through 4. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be with you all this morning and worship and have a chance to look at God's word. Thank you, Kayla, for reading the scriptures. Uh, Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and it is a chance for us to think again about God coming to us. I was uh, talking with Adonijah Tianyu, there he is, um, (laughs) this week about the Wednesday discussion, and he said something that stood out to me that we often think of the word Advent as an adjective, you know, an Advent calendar, an Advent candle, an Advent discussion. But the way the scripture actually uses it is an activity. It's an action. The advent of God. God coming to us. And so this is an opportunity in a very special way this season to remember that God has come to us in the birth of Christ. And he's made a promise that he will come again in Christ to make all things new. And if we think about God coming, then we see that in all the gospels, to think of God coming, his advent, it always includes John the Baptist. So we'll look at that figure today. He's an unusual figure, one who lived in the wilderness, a diet of locusts and honey, a wardrobe of camel hair. He was one who stands apart. And in his strangeness, 
he cracks the world's assumptions and the world's positions. His presence is a way to invite some questions. Does God care? Will those who mourn be comforted? Is there more than our circumstances, more than human powers, more than the darkness? His presence not only evokes those questions, but his presence also says, prepare the way of the Lord. It's an announcement that God will come, that his justice will prevail, that he'll destroy all evil and pain in all its forms once and forever. That's the message of John who gives witness to God's coming. So let's look at our passage from Luke 3. We're going to look at Luke 3 and and look at this passage and the Malachi passage together. But I'll read to you from Luke 3, verse 1 through 6. You can follow in your order or your Bible, or just listen as I read. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea, and Chechnatus, Elisania, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went all into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is God's word. It's given for our good. And as we look at these passages together, there's two parts of the sermon that I want us to to look at, that John is a witness and that he is a witness against something, and he is a witness for something. And so we'll start by him being against, that John is a witness against the promises of the world. He's a witness against the promises of the world. Our passage I just read, chapter 3, introduces us to this promised messenger of God. The prophets Isaiah and Malachi spoke of a messenger suddenly appearing, a voice crying out, And here we have the introduction of this long-awaited voice. And it starts with seven names drawn from the political and religious leadership. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Abilene during the high priesthoods of Ananias and Caiaphas. Now these are important names and important titles. Yet what I want us to see is that none of them are the messenger. None of them are the messenger of God. We hear of another movement. The word of God came to John, and it came to him in the wilderness. The list of names is not simply a historic statement about when this all happened, but here are the leaders and the systems that sets life in motion. A Caesar over the empire, the governor over a region, a local king over local interests, and high priests over the religious life in the temple. But the word of God bypasses them all. 
and it treks out into the wilderness to take hold of John. Now let's think for a moment about the term wilderness. Sometimes, maybe some of us, not, not all, all of us, but maybe living in the city, sometimes going out into the wilderness sounds very you know, refreshing and kind of romantic and kind of very meaningful. And it can be. And also maybe sometimes we have that experience of going camping, though, when there is a good storm, there's, you know, cold rain, there's wind, your, your tent gets flooded and your socks get wet. And you think, man, I can't wait to get home. <laughs> have you guys had that experience? I have. Well, the wilderness in the scripture was not a place of refreshment. It was the place outside of human control outside of human power and systems. It was a place that reminded you, wow, I want to get back home to the way things are in control. And the world coming into the wilderness, the word bypassing the leaders, going into the wilderness to an outsider without a title, is a witness to us and to everyone that there is something more than the movement of time. There's something more than the established powers of the day. And there's something more than the protected privilege that those who have power hold on to. And for all who hear John's call and heed it, he comes to turn us away from the world's systems and promises to another kingdom, a kingdom that will endure. You see, John, in his wilderness appearance, in his posture, in his voice, he is bearing witness to a reality that is coming a reality that will expose the promises and assumptions and conditions of the current world as fraudulent and as transitory. Telling us things like, if you have more, you are more. If you have a certain title, then things are set for you. Or if you look a certain way or fit a certain way, then things will be good for you. These things are fraudulent. And this witness against fulfills the words of Malachi that Kayla read to us about 450 years before John appeared in the wilderness, Malachi, on behalf of the Lord, said, I will send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. The Lord whom I, you seek will suddenly come to the temple. And then he asks questions, but who, who can endure the Lord's coming and who can stand when it happens? Who can stand when he appears? And what I think God wants us to recognize, who can endure and who can stand, none of these individuals that Luke mentions, none of these strong leaders with great titles, even with their credentials and positions, the way out of the darkness is not the way of Tiberius or Pilate or Herod or Ananias or Caiaphas. These powerful ones specialize in actions that we, we know well, right? The power of covering over wounds, of keeping certain trouble hidden, of using the resources to manipulate or keep certain voices quiet. They offer the way. They suggest that the way out of the darkness is by coming out on top, controlling the path or outcome, even if it means violence or acting against another. For it's worth us remembering that both John and Jesus are executed by men on this list. 
that John the Baptist was beheaded and Jesus crucified by people who are listed here. And John is a witness against the promises of the world and the call in the wilderness represents to you and to me a different way, a different way out of the darkness. So John is a witness against, but he's also a witness for. I suggest that he's a witness for the advent, the coming of God. In the Gospel of Luke, we heard that John the Baptist embodies Malachi and Isaiah's words, a messenger, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. It's good to always remind ourselves that John is not the hope, that he's just a messenger. He's just a witness pointing to something else. And the word came to John. He went to all the region of the Jordan River proclaiming baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As part of this, he's fulfilling what Isaiah said, make your path straight. Every valley shall be lifted, shall be filled. Every mountain hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places become level ways. And this poetic language is inviting you and me to take inventory of our spiritual geography, if you will. He's calling us maybe to hear what we tend to ignore or dismiss, to remember and to look at what we've chosen to forget, to see what we want to overlook and to feel the places that we've grown callous. See, John's words are for us today. What are the rough places? What parts of us are crooked? Maybe we can think of the hate or anger that stirs in our hearts and that occasionally breaks forth towards those who are close to us. Or we can consider the ways that we numb ourselves or chase illusions or distract ourselves in the face of our fears and shame. Or what about patience? Or what about our generosity? Or what about the call to love our neighbors as ourselves, even our enemies, Jesus says, even those who are different than us? To take such an inventory, though, is not just to see the ways that we are broken or things that we wish were different, but it's also even to acknowledge just the condition that we find ourselves in this world. Along with our sin, let us look at and name our wounds, our hurt, the ways that we have been mistreated or lied to, abused or stolen from. I suggest that John knows that such things are challenging. And so that's why he doesn't just leave us there, but invites us to baptism. In his case, invites us into the joy of being forgiven. With water, he gives witness to the work of God. He comes to forgive sins and to renew hearts, to lift those who have fallen and bind up the brokenhearted. And he's trying to invite us to this, invite us to this hard work of taking inventory or looking or acknowledging that the way out of the darkness is not by control but by repentance. It's worth us seeing that Malachi speaks of this work as a refining fire and a cleansing soap. He uses the cleaning of laundry 
<laughs> to describe the advent of God. The Lord will be like the strongest soap, the fuller's soap. He will clean our dirty laundry. He'll scrub our polluted garments. I looked up some stats about laundry in the United States, and I learned that in the U.S., the average household washes 50 pounds of laundry a week and 6,000 articles of clothes a year. I don't know how that compares to your experience, but it's worth us remembering that Malachi gave this image long before the advent of laundry machines, right? Long before we could put our clothes in the laundry machine. The refiner's fire is a terrifying and dangerous image, kind of untouchable heat. But what I want us to see by mentioning that laundry is that the laundry soap image here is one of close and personal contact. The image is of the household and of the family. It's the work of kind of hands-on labor, of love, garments others will not touch, clothes soiled by the most direct and intimate body processes. With love, one takes them, touches them, scrubs them, and cleans them. And Malachi and Isaiah and John invite us to see that this image of washing, this intimacy of purity and cleanliness points to our God. They reveal the advent of our God coming in the person of Christ, the one who is truly clean, who takes our soiled hearts and polluted garments upon himself. John's strangeness cracks open and challenges the world. And it reminds us that our hope can never be in our morals, can never be in our effort or our resumes or our appearance or our titles. For it is God alone who can heal and clean and refine. It's God alone who makes us his children, who claims us as his sons and daughters of promise. John pointed to a baptism of repentance. We who are followers of Christ have a baptism in which we are united to Christ, the one who can clean us. And this baptism marks a new community, a turning toward God, one not ordered by our titles or powers or our ability to access certain structures. Rather, it's a community that confesses their sins, that acknowledges our wounds and hurt or even our powerlessness, and it brings those under the promise and love of Christ. So I invite you this Advent season to take a look at the spiritual geography of your heart and life to do so with the courage not of your own strength, but the courage of God who can wash you clean in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, that you are a God that is gracious and holy. Thank you that you are the one who is above all things, the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap, but thank you also that you come to those who are in, in need of your care. Thank you that you draw near to us in Christ. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Though the desert surrounds this weary land And my longing soul cries out Though the wilderness seems unending here All God's people will rise and shout The redeemed of the Lord shall return with singing The redeemed of the Lord shall return And all sorrow and sighing shall God, you are at work to restore all of creation and its intended harmony. In a world where peace seems to be so far away, grant us faith in you and perseverance to walk in the paths of peace. The tender mercy of our God has come down from on high, giving light to those darkness and guiding our feet in peace the tender mercy of our God has 
Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. During this time, we are, uh, instead of coming forward, we're, we're taking communion together through prepackaged elements that were on the welcome table. If you're planning on taking communion, does anyone need uh, those? Pastor Eric can bring some more. Just raise your hand if you need one. Okay. No. Thanks, Eric. I invite you, if you're taking communion, to go ahead and, and prepare those. You can open those up. Is there more than the darkness? Is there more than human powers or our circumstances? And this table is witness to the truth that there is a light that the darkness cannot overcome. That is good news. And it's especially good news because the invitation of this table is not for the strong or those who have a perfect resume or are able to handle all things the right way or come on their own righteousness. This table is set for sinners, those who need and confess their need for the refining fire of Christ and the powerful soap that he brings. For this table is set for sinners that those can find rest and forgiveness in Christ's strength, not in our own, that he is the light that overcomes, not us. And so if you know of your need before God, know of your need to be cleansed, to know of the need to have, have a light that doesn't belong to you, and you have faith in Christ, then eat and drink of this table, for it's set for all the children of God, all who are part of the family through the grace and work of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table, and we pray, Lord, that your spirit would meet us here. Lord, let us come honestly, confessing our brokenness and our sin, confessing our questions and our longing, confessing our weariness. Lord, meet us in these places by your spirit, for you are the God who comes to us. I pray that you would minister to us, that you would nourish our strength, our faith, and that lift our heads in your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord to death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let's eat in faith. In Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Well, in response to this table, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the one who brings good news to the oppressed, who binds up the brokenhearted, proclaims liberty to captives and released prisoners. You're the one who comforts all those who mourn. 
Help us to rejoice and hold fast to what is good. Help us to live as witnesses of your light, which is broken into the world. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has redeemed his people. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has redeemed his people. Our God is a generous God, displayed by this table and by his work in our lives. And so I invite you this time of service to remember our response of generosity you can give to the work of the church. There's offering plates in the back, or you can give online. But let us respond to God's generosity. Let's sing together the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all the receiving a closing blessing just a reminder if you'd like to participate in the uh, mission, advent missions project with true light there's a tree in the welcome area you can pick up a tag or learn more about it there and i receive god's blessing may the love of god the father the grace of our savior jesus christ and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you now and always amen we go in peace amen.